Welcome to iChurch. Our mission is to break bondage inspiring you. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, iChurchOKA.com. But now, get ready for what God has to say to you. You know, in 2004, there, this, this, this young man from Harvard opened up something called fake, it's called, it's called a face mesh. And face mesh was a place where, where it was a funny thing where you would pop up two, two pictures and they would just pop up pictures of people randomly and, and the whole crowd that was a social media, one of the first social medias that ever hit was face mesh. And it didn't go very well, but they put up two pictures and you would see the picture of the people and the picture was show me who you really are. And then they show a picture and people would vote this one out and keep this one and this one out and keep this one. And they would play a game to see who would last longer there with their face, with their original face. A couple of, almost a year later, it became so popular. This young man um, um, created something called Facebook. And the Facebook was a web web page. And the Facebook was created. And and when it was created originally, it wasn't the big social media you know today. What it originally was, was it was everybody on Harvard campus had the opportunity to talk about the Crimson. Everybody had the opportunity to talk about the organization at an open level. And you would post your face and you would post your comment. That's where post came from, guys. Post came because you would post your picture and you would say, well, I believe this and this and because of freedom of press they were allowed to post it and nobody could stop it but being harvard such a big organization they came crashing on that group of students that were sharing a dorm and they told them they couldn't do that they sued them and lost the suit lawsuit and what happened was that a gigantic entrepreneur came in and said hey man that is the most awesome thing to be able to put up your picture and express your feelings that's a great way what are we going to call it and they called it facebook and today half of the people in this room i dare to say 75 percent of the people in this room either have facebook or have seen facebook but here's the problem originally it was designed for you to put your picture and show who you really are and it's so ironic because today when you go on facebook i think the least thing you'll ever see on facebook is a picture of the person the way they really are you get posts that when you read them it's like come on Come on, guys. Be real with me. There are some pictures in there. You say, wait, you see the picture on Facebook, and when you finally see the person in real life, you say, is this the same person? It has been so Photoshopped. How about the poses? Come on. Who really lives your life like this? Come on. Let's. And Facebook has become a fake book. So, Pastor, are you preaching against it? Is it a tool of a devil? No, I use it for the gospel. I think it's a great tool. I have nothing against it. And if you don't have Facebook here, don't worry about it because the title's not based on the, web, on, on the web social media. What it's based on is that Facebook is a book that shows fake people so many times. It's ridiculous. Come on. Who posts a picture when they just got that zit out? Come on. Who posts a picture when you nobody does that? See, so what I'm saying is that here's what my fear is. My fear is that our real lives, I see a lot of people sitting in this room with real lives, but your real life is in danger because you've created a book of fakeness in many areas. Now, I know I just became an enemy to many of you in the room. And before you walk out, you're going to say, Pastor, I don't like you. You said I was fake. No, no, stop. I didn't say you were fake. I'm just saying that sometimes we try to impress, just like in Facebook, we try to impress people so much. Listen, I'm talking to you at work. You really need this word. You try to impress so much and reach everybody's expectation. Everybody demands so much of you that if you really stop, you'll find that you may have lost who you really are somewhere down the path. And God has a message for you that I want to share with you. 
But again, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask God to help me so you could understand this message. Father, I'm praying again because I want to ask you to help me get the church to understand this message. And we be guided by it to become the person you entitled us and called us to be. We love you. We honor you. And we need you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. There's this guy in the Bible. And um, as I go through this series, this whole month called Fake Book, I want to talk about all the opportunities that we actually live, that you and I both live, and there are opportunities that we have to be who we should be, but actually we don't act the way we should. In the Bible, there's this character called um, Joseph, and many of you have read about him and know exactly who he is, but I want to talk a little bit about him today. Joseph, Joseph is a man that in the book of Genesis chapter 37 is going to appear for the first time. We're going to read in a minute, but here's what happens with Joseph. Joseph is the son of many brothers, and, and then they're all hanging out. And to those that don't know, those that know the story, well, just bear with me. Those that are new in church and don't know the story, well, you'll catch up. And those that know it and forgot it, well, you'll we'll be able to refresh your memory. But here it is. Joseph is one of many brothers. And here's the problem. Joseph was next to last to be born. He was next to last. His, his youngest brother is Benjamin. And right before Benjamin, and, that's, and, and here's, how they, here's how they were born, literally, every year a baby was born, every year, every year, every year, every year, for 11 straight years. You imagine that, moms? Every year for 11 straight years? Every year for 11 straight years. There you go, there you go, there you go, there you go, there you go. There you go. And then when finally they stopped having babies, six or seven years came by, and then they had Benjamin. So Benjamin was unexpected son. But before Benjamin, before those six years, the last one to be there was Joseph. And Joseph had a very complicated situation because Joseph had the favor of God and he had the blessing of God. Pastor, what is that? When Joseph wanted to do something, he would do something. Man, and God would just bless what he was doing. And Pastor, why is that a problem? That's a good thing. Well, it's a problem because the people around you aren't going to like you very much. So Joseph's in this tough situation. And to this day, if you grab any commentary or you grab any books or you do a study on Joseph, you'll find one thing about Joseph, guys. What do you find? You'll find that he was prideful. That's what they, everybody says. Everybody says he was prideful and tactless. Everybody says that he was just, he would always be boasting. That he didn't know how to treat people. I disagree with that commentary. I really disagree. I think it's completely er er erroneous. And and Joseph is actually the person we're going to study for the whole month. We're going to be studying the life of Joseph. And I'm going to show you how Joseph was able to conquer fakeness. How Joseph was able to overcome that fakeness. Look at, in Genesis chapter 37, verse 1, I'm going to start reading. Genesis 37, verse 1, I'm going to read with you. And I want you to see something in Genesis 37, 1. It says, Jacob lived, and this is where it starts the story. Jacob is, is Joseph's dad. It says, Jacob lived in the land where his fathers had stayed, the land of Canaan. Verse 2. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Belial and the sons of Silpha. His father's wives and he brought their father a bad report about them. Okay, verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Now there's the father, loved, his, loved him more than any of his sons. Because he had been born to him in his old age. And he had made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that the father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Verse 5, Joseph had a dream, and when he told to his brothers, when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. There goes his good gift going bad. Verse 6, and here I'm going to stop, and then I'll go backwards and we'll read it again. Verse 6, he said to them, listen, listen to this dream I had. Now, I'm not going to read the whole dream, but I'm going to go back to verse 1 again. Let me give you a breakdown of 
opportunities to act fake that come into our lives the way they came into Joseph's lives. Joseph's life. But let me show you how he reacts to them. And let me talk to you about that reaction. Look at Genesis chapter 37 verse 1. It says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. There are, the father had lived right where the grandfather had lived. That's kind of tough. You know what I call this? I call this being junior. There are certain places that you go that if you're not careful, they're called such an influence on who you are, you could become fake. I have seen this man in the toughest of Christians. You go out, great Christians standing up and they're great and they're walking in Christ and they're coming to church and they're just thriving in their relationship with Christ. And then they go to a place that's not the adequate place and that atmosphere could just ruin you so bad. And you see that in Facebook all the time. You see people acting like fools. You're like, why'd they do that? They did that because there are certain places that require something of you that you are not. Listen, there are jobs that require of you certain things that you are not. There are places you go, you, you could go into, there are atmospheres that you just walk into them and you automatically start behaving. You, you know, it's, it's that saying, I hang out with the wrong crowd. You're like, oh, pastor, I'm 59. I don't hang out with the wrong crowds anymore. I am positive that there are people that you hang out with that when you're with them, you don't behave the way you really are. You don't do that. You know, some couples, it even happens in church. Some couples, they're arguing in the car. They're arguing all the way to church. You know, they come in. I'm not, no, your wife didn't call me. Relax. You argue all the way. You argued at home. You made it here. And when you make it here, you get out of the car. And as soon as you walk out of the car, this is what you guys do. You grab hands and hi, 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 hi. You know, and, and, but, but, but 15 minutes before, in your mind, you were like, oh, you're so stupid. You know? And you're like, no, pastor, we never do that. Well, maybe it just happens in my home. That's all. But there are moments that, that, that the atmosphere causes an influence on you. You say, so pastor, is that a bad thing? Am I hypocritical? Well, yeah, you are hypocritical. But, but, but listen, guys, here's the thing. Isn't it awesome that there's a place you go to that makes you want to act correct? And then we say church are bad. How can church be bad? Church is supposed to be a place that influences on you to be the, that, that person God called you to be. Yeah, but it also calls me to be real. Right, so you hold hands until you see the pastor. And when you see him and you go up to him and say, Dude, we need counseling because I'm about to kill her. And you find help. That's what you do. And I could see it all over the place. You know, we had this one, one experience last week about somebody who came up to me. And they said, Pastor, I need help. And I said, yes, yes, yes. I'm living this godly life. And people are just criticizing me for the wrong things I do. And I said, so what's up, man? He said, Pastor, it's just this young man from our Spanish service came up and said, I get criticized and slammed all the time for my behavior. And people are like, oh, you act like a Christian. You ain't no Christian. And I, and I testify and I talk about Jesus Christ. And people just, they don't accept me, Pastor. And I know God's called me to purpose. I'm going to say, okay, why? I said, so what are they based on? Give me one random example. Said, Look, for example, they criticized for the pictures I post on Facebook. And I thought it was perfect because I'm going into the series. And I told them I was going to use them as an example. And I, and I said, yeah, so what's the problem with your post? He goes, nothing. I said, can I see your post? He goes, nah, it's all right, pastor. And I said, come on, give me, let me just see your Facebook for a minute. And he's like, no, it's all right, it's all right. I'll let me see. He's like, no. I said, now you're either one or two. Either you're going to... See, because 
You guys don't get this yet, but if you've been hanging around me for long enough, you know I'm the old type of pastor, the one that pulls the ears, the guy from the old country church that'll just whip you in the butt if you're doing wrong. You don't get that yet. See, we're a, we're a, we're a race of pastors that are, that are extinct. They don't exist anymore. They're, they're disappearing. Why? Because everybody's afraid of losing members. I'm afraid of losing members, not out of my church. I'm afraid of losing members that say they're Christian into hell. That's what I'm afraid of. So I'll guide you. And I understand God has chose me to be able to be an aid to you. Because if I know how messed up I am, I can only imagine how messed up you are. So my job is to think, and guys, that's the way I seriously act. When I do something really messed up, I'm like, how, why in the world did I do that? What was I thinking about? How did I behave that way? And when I'm thinking about that, all of a sudden it comes to my mind. I'm thinking, if I act that way, I wonder how the rest act. I made a racist joke yesterday, two days ago, a racist joke. It was a really bad racist joke. You're like, well, don't mention it now. No, I'm being transparent and honest with you. It's time us pastors start explaining to you how we live so you could understand that you're not that messed up. <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were loading from our youth, our youth campuses. We moved. They were on Main Avenue. in Austin Building had a great time there. And they moved from there. And now we're moving them in here because we just, you know, it comes a point where they're growing and they can't fit in there anymore. And we want to open up the first two songs you see here. We want to open up a 4 o'clock service that provides that type of atmosphere. And if you're epileptic, it's okay. You come to the 9.47 a.m. service, and that's fine. Now, if you're not epileptic, and you like jumping around and screaming, and listen, listen to I'll tell you some guys. Here's my problem. My wife and I had a culture shock when we moved to North America. Pastor, why did you have a culture shock? We had a culture shock because we have planted seven churches in seven different countries, and we've never planted in North America. And when we came here, we had a culture shock. Let me, show, let me show you two, cult, two religious culture shocks we had that we're still not over. We still don't understand. We still don't get them. Number one... <laughs> We got people telling us, well, there should be no flashing lights in church or no theater lights or no projectors or no. And I'm cool with that. I'm like, hey, man, you guys don't get this. I love opera. I love orchestra music. I love choirs. That's what most of you don't get. I could, my wife and I sang in choirs all through our college. We love choirs. We search for cantatas and we just sit in them. We just love it. You know what my favorite type of music is? You're never going to get this. Jazz. Smooth jazz. You would never believe that, right? You never think I'm a jazzy type of guy, right? You never think I'm a guy, guy, guy. And here, that's why I wore my tropical clothes today. See? And here's, here's what I'm trying to get to you. Pastor, what are you trying to say? Here's what, what we didn't get was a shock to us was that they would say no there, but they had no problem going to Chris Tomlin's concert. When they sang God's Great Dance Floor. They had no problem listening to Carrie Job at a concert. And you say, well, Pastor, well, that's a concert. It ain't church. It's worship, guys. Now, I'm not saying every service has got to be like that. Personally, I'm okay with just toning it down. That's what we're doing at 947 AM service. But I'm saying there's nothing wrong with it either. We have to be careful. Here's our second cultural shock. Our second cultural shock was when we came in and they told us, well, we don't, you, what you guys don't understand is that I've been Baptist so long, I forgot what else I've been. That's how long I've been a Baptist. I was an independent fundamental Baptist, and I was a Southern Baptist almost all my life. So every doctrine, I'm, 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 it's in my brain, it's a, doc, a Baptist doctrine. And that could be a good thing, a bad thing, just don't say amen. Everybody stay quiet for a second. But what I will say is the following. To a culture shock, when we came in, we, we had worked on the mission field, and we had opened up mega churches. And what hit my mind was that they said, we don't believe in women preachers. And I said, oh man, I'm all right, that's cool. I learned that when I was a kid. I'm good with that. We could roll with that. And then Joyce Myers comes in town. And the stadium's like back. You, you can't get into the parking lot to get in. You know? And you're like, well, she's, well, she, well Pastor, it's different. <laughs> What's different about it? <laughs> she's got the Bible. She's teaching. 
Now, I'm not trying to change you doctrinally. I'm okay if you hate women preachers, just hate women preachers. That's all right for you. If you hate lights and sound, that's okay for you. I'm okay with that. I'm okay. Why? Because I have no problem being in either atmosphere. The only atmosphere I want is the presence of the Holy Spirit and God close to me. That's the presence I want. That's the most important thing in my heart. But what I'm going at is the following. What does the atmosphere around you inspire you? If you go into church and you feel tight, if you go, guys, if, if, you, if you're hanging out with friends and you feel pressured all the time, are, are those the right friends? Is that the right atmosphere? At work, well, Pastor, I just can't get them away. I can't get away from them at work. You could sit anywhere you want at lunch. Pastor, I can't stand that woman. Why do you eat lunch with her every day? You know, and it just mind boggles me. Why? Because you need to understand that the places that surround us will cause an influence on us. Listen, guys, do you guys realize that Catawba County causes an influence on us? Have you realized that? I could teach to you in Scripture. And it's not a charismatic thing, guys. It's a Bible-based thing. I could teach you on Scripture. I could just, I'll glance over it. There are demons that were in regions, the Bible says, when Jesus arrived. Jesus arrived to some areas, and the Bible says that when he arrived, there was a demon that prevailed in that area. In fact, in one portion of the Bible, he's pulling the demons out, and the demon says, Please, 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 please. Can we just stay in the area? Pastor, why? Because predominantly it's that area. Guys, I believe there are neighborhoods you walk into and you could go from house to house. You say, adultery, 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 adultery. Man, everybody in this neighborhood's committing adultery. Yeah, because it's prevailing with the demon of adultery, the spirit of adultery. It's prevailing. And we act like if it's not there. But that area will cause an influence on us. Now, now don't, go put, don't go put your house up on the market, okay, guys? What I'm saying is that you need to identify so you could counterattack on it spiritually and say, you know what? I'm going to overcome this. In my work, there's a spirit of gossip. Everybody's gossiping. In my work, there's... And you need to identify it. You know why the best couples commit adultery? Because they were in the wrong area with the wrong people in the wrong atmosphere. And I'll get nobody to say amen to that. But those that have committed adultery know that's true. Tell me what you're doing. Tell me where you're going. And I'll tell you what's prevailing. To all the youth that are in here, all the college students, go hang out with frats. Go with the sorority. I did it. I was, a, I, was a, I was an Alpha C Upsalong. And I'll be there. And I was hanging out with the boys. And I was with the guys. And I was a Christian guy. And I love Jesus. And I go to church. And I was going to preach the word. And when the weekend came around, I was there. They're all drinking. I said, no, I'm not going to drink. I'm a Christian. I'm not gonna, I want to get drunk, guys. You guys go get wasted. I'm not going to get wasted. I'm a Christian. I want to I represent Jesus. And I'm in the middle of an atmosphere where we're having women are half naked. The guys are all drinking. I'm trying to preach Jesus Christ. Like, well, Pastor, you're in the right place. You're in Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, until I fell and tripped. Then I wake up the next day. And now nobody's going to admit this. But you wake up the next day after you've committed sin. And, and now some of you are really bummed out. Like, oh, man, I don't like this. We got the wrong pastor. He's confessing that he's a sinner. And he confessed that he made sins. Yeah, I'm trying to save you from the lies and the fakeness of our books that show one thing. When really deep down inside there's some hidden pages that saw another thing. You wake up the next morning after sin and you say, you say, what did I do? Why did I do this? And you guys got to realize, so the parents that are here are freaking out because your kids are listening to this. I got my daughters in here. And one of them is, is you know, I got, I got an 11-year-old and 9-year-old daughter inside the room. Like, well, you shouldn't be saying that to them. Well, let me give you statistics. 
any of my kids could fail, but I got four and all four serve Jesus Christ actively. They run the services. What are your kids doing? Now, I'll sit with mine, and I'll confront them, and I'll tell them, listen, dad messed up with this. He took a spill. Because here's the problem with sin. When you commit sin, adultery, fornication, when you're cussing, when you're, when you're swearing, when you're, when, you're, when you're speaking blasphemy out of your mouth, when you're getting drunk, when you're living all these things that are ungodly, here is the thing with Christians. We'll do those things, and then we wake up the next day, and we say, ah, I know I shouldn't do that again. I'm going to stop. Especially when it's fornication, when it's adultery. We, we swear we're going to stop. Some of us even cry. We're never going to do it again. And then three weeks later, two weeks later, we're doing it again. And then we're at the altar again, crying and saying, well, I don't want to do this. You know why? Because it empowers you. It takes over you. It takes over your body. So there are places that you need to acknowledge, well, I could overcome this or I can't. Listen, I'm telling you right now, guys, we're going to start a 9.47 a.m. service and it's going to fill. In case you guys don't know, our growth ratio in iChurch is 300. Don't applaud, don't applaud because I don't want, I don't want you guys to glorify iChurch. We have grown 302% in the last four months. That's how much we've grown. We had in worship service, last service, last week between both services, we had 420 people run through this building. Okay, and, and, and a year and a half ago, we were less than, we were about 100 people. How do you grow that quick? A lot of people will come and listen. Some of you folks will come and you can't come back. You can't deal with me. You can't deal with this. Why? Because you're too comfortable where you're at and you don't want to be challenged to live the life God called you. I'm not just talking about holiness and, and sanctity. Some of you are living holiness. Some are living sanctity. Your problem is you don't want to be challenged to be able to serve God and be the full potential you are. Now you think it's you, but it's really not you. Because deep down inside, you know you want it, but you're battling with it. And you haven't been in the right atmosphere. People come up to me all the time and say, hey, pastor, can I hang out with you? Can I be with you? And I say, listen, come to my office. We'll sit down. Yes, I'll talk about Jesus Christ to you. I want to tag around you. I want to be with you day and night. I want to be there. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, why? No, man. Like, you're a pastor. You got to let me do this. And no, I don't have to let you do this. You crazy? You're not ready. If I hang out with you every single day, either I'm going to kill you or you're going to kill me. Now, now you're all laughing because you, you thought about somebody in your mind. You thought about somebody, man, I, yeah, I could kill this person at work. I could kill this person at school. I could kill this friend. You know, there are people that you just, you just you, and some of you are judging me right now, saying, what type of pastor is he? I'm telling you the truth. There are places you have to be careful with. Abraham had lived in the land of Canaan, and his son had lived, and Isaac had lived, and now Jacob's living there, and here comes Joseph, and he's going to be born there, and here's the problem. That land was running out of food. It was going through scarce time, and this young man's coming up, and he's having these dreams of what's going to happen, and, and how everybody's going to bow down, how he's going to help everybody. He's having these dreams, and that scenario wasn't ready for the visions that he had. Now, they were going to be needed, but not everybody Everybody could understand it even though it was needed. Now that's good right there. Not everybody could understand it even though it was needed. Now some bold people say, man, I need this. I need, I need to be in the right place. Why? Because if you're in the wrong place, the influence is going to cause and you could be terrible. You say, well, I'm stronger than my atmosphere. The Bible says, he who thinks he's strong, be careful you may not fall. Oh, pastor, I could deal without it. I'm all right. Me and my buddies could hang. We could do this. I'm not saying you cannot, but I'm saying you have to measure your strengths and see what you're capable of. I have not yet found one person, not one in 24 years of pastoral ministries. I have not. I have pastored little huts with 25 
Haitian people sitting in the hut to pastoring a church of over a thousand of people serving them to each service. I've done both in 25 years almost. I'm about to have 25 years of ministry. I have not yet found the person to come up to me and say, man, after I sinned and I know Jesus Christ is my Savior, man, I feel so good I'm better than I was. I have not yet found one person to say that. You feel miserable about it. I have not yet found one person that has sinned and said, I could deal with that. I went and I dealt with it. No, everybody says, I went into it. I thought I could deal with it, but I couldn't. Listen, mom, when you can't deal with your kids anymore and you become bitter, you start talking, I'm never bitter. I love my children. I love my husband. Sweetie, we need to record you and you need to listen to yourself for five minutes. You sound bitter at home. You sound bitter complaining every five minutes. You sound bitter with the washing machine. You sound bitter with the plates. You sound bitter with the clothes. You sound, you sound, and here's the problem. The atmosphere you're creating is atmosphere of bitterness that surrounds you all the time. Now, I, I, I'm not going to have any husband or children say amen because then you'll be upset with them the rest of the day and they won't have dinner. But you know it's true. There are places that go down. Look at this, verse 2. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Here's the second place of big influences. Who is it? Your family line. There are things that we inherit. We are inherit. There are, you, there are things in your life that you're going to catch because your dad was like that. You're like that. Because your mom was like that. You're like that. There are things that you have inherited. And you got to be careful because there are certain people in your family line. Listen, some of you are trying to reach the expectations of your dad or your mom. And they may have passed away or they may still be living. And you're trying to reach their expectations. And listen, come on, pay attention. You will never fulfill the full expectations of anybody that surrounds you. That's the best help I could give you. You will never fulfill the full expectations of anybody that surrounds you. When they say, yes, you have met my expectations, they're lying because tomorrow they're going to raise the bar. You will never, no matter how hard you try, you will never fulfill the full expectations of the people that surround you. And here's the problem. Sometimes we're not just trying to fulfill the expectations of people surround us. Sometimes we're trying to run away from being Uncle Bob. Oh, I, I don't want to be like Uncle Bob. I don't want to be like Aunt Mary. Oh, I don't want to be the way she was with her kids. Oh, I don't want to be the way that guy is with his kids. Oh, I don't want... And we know certain things about our family in our life book. There's, something, there's certain things in our life book that we know are written there. And we don't want to be like that. I don't want to get a divorce like my parents. I don't want to be living in the, in the same house with somebody and, and, they don't, and we don't love each other. I, I, little kids, I have little kids sometimes come to me in counseling. And, and you, you see they're 14, 15, 16. They come up to me. And I know they're 14, 15, 16. And they say, I'm not a little kid. Yeah, I know. But hang on. They come and they sit with me. And they say, I don't want to be like my mom. I don't want to be like my dad. I got bad news for you. No matter how hard you try, you're going to end up looking like them. You could try your best. I've tried so hard to not be like my dad. And I ended up being just like him. So what I learned to do is that, that, that you need to understand what type of influences you're receiving from the people that surround you. And here's the problem with all this. Here's the problem. Look at this next verse. He, was, he had all this. The place caused an influence. The people caused an influence. A young man of 17 was tending the flocks with his brothers and the son of Bilah. This these, these is his stepmom and the sons of Silpha, his other stepmom, his father's wives. Okay? And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, I don't have time to go into this deeply. So please, and I may bore you, but I'm trying to teach you something because I want to go deep in the Bible. Let me teach you something. When you read this, what you read, if you read it again, you're going to read that he went off. The kid, Joseph, was with the flock, was with his brothers, and he came back. And when he came back, 
He told his dad, hey, we all messed up. But that's not what happened. If you go to the original portion of that in Hebrew, you're going to say that, you're going to see that what it really says in Hebrew is raha. And raha is a composed word. Now, ra means adversity. And ha comes from them. So it's saying they caused adversity. They did evil. In, there's, a, there's, a, there's a translation. That's the New Living Translation. I'm going to put it up on screen for you. And I want you to see this. The New Living Translation has specifically that. And it shows you specifically what? Well, okay, I'm going to read it to you. The New Living Translation says the following. New Living Translation says, it says, says, Then Joseph came and told his father what his brothers had done. Raha, which is the the, the Greek word, is saying Joseph came and told his father what they had done. You know what they call that right here, down here in Catawba County? You know what you country folks call that? A tattletale. Joseph was a tattletale. He came and ratted out his brothers. He went into the country. He came back to his father. He said, Dad... These people are messing up. Now, I have a question for you. Come on, everybody. I know there's a a sermon slash teaching, and the whole month will be a teaching session. But come on. Is that a bad thing or a good thing? Is it a bad thing or a good thing? I want you to think about it. Did the brother commit a bad thing or a good thing? He came and he told his dad and he told his mom, Hey, dad, mom, my brothers did this in the field. Is it a good thing? Or a bad thing. You guys don't even want to answer. You know why I don't want to answer? Because you're scared to answer. You, you guys are thinking this. If I say it's a good thing, then I, I think being ratting out your brothers is a good thing. If I say it's a bad thing, he was doing the right thing. Listen, it's a good thing. He saw his brother and sister doing evil and he told his father so his father could help him. He was helping his brothers. But that's not the way everybody perceives it. Everybody perceives it as a bad thing. Pastor, what are you saying? You could be doing really good things and still look bad in front of the rest. Are you hearing that? You could do really good things and still look bad in front of the rest. You could make the most best effort, sister, to, be, to impress your husband and it still looks bad. I wish I had just women in here so I could talk to them about something that I can't say because there's too many children. But catch this one. See if you catch up with me on this one. You try really, really, really hard to do your best to please your husband and you still look bad. You don't look correctly. And here's the problem. Verse 3 says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons because he had had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornament robe for him. Look at verse 4. When his brothers saw that their father loved him, more than any other of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Here's the real problem. The real problem is he had his father's love, but his brothers hated him for what he did. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm almost ending my sermon. Watch. Sometimes we're so fake because we're more worried. Listen to this. If you don't catch anything, listen to this. We're more worried about man's approval than we are about God's approval. 